0: Alright, I, I encourage you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, to a pretty uh, familiar passage for all of us. Uh, and we titled it, and once you see the title, you'll know what's going on, but Ask, Seek, Knock. And so that's that's uh, where we are this morning in Matthew uh, chapter 7. Uh, and, and as you're turning there, uh, my guess is everybody in here has been lost, right? We've all been driving somewhere, and, and we've looked around and realized... Eddie Lee just said not me I'm good uh and and perfect you'll fit into this example great uh but but anyways uh you're you're driving a direction and and you're going somewhere, you're going to someone's house or or something to that effect and and you feel pretty confident. You get on the road, you start heading in that general direction and then you've been out in the woods for a couple of minutes and you're driving and you realize, man, I feel like I should be there by now, right? (laughs) I feel like there's something wrong, something's not quite making the cut here and so, so you keep on driving and all of a sudden it just dawns on you. I have no idea where I am. I, I am completely and totally lost. And the only directions you have to go on are Uncle Buck's from 25 years ago. And he's like, remember to turn at the big oak tree. And you're like, listen, we're in the middle of the forest. There's 100 big oak trees. <laughs> I don't know what's going on at all. And so you, you drive around and you start looking for like street signs. You start looking for uh, any kind of uh, little mark that, that would, help you out along, uh, would help you out along the way. And, and, but there, there comes a point in time when uh, there comes a point in time when your frustration level reaches your, matches your confusion level, and for men, I I don't know if it's for women the same way, but for men, when that frustration level matches your confusion level, it's that point that you are humble enough to go and ask for directions, all right, and so at that point, uh, we go and ask for directions, and we go into the local, uh, you know, gas station or something, and, and sure enough, Eddie Lee's there. And Eddie Lee's been there, been living here his whole life, he never gets lost, and so Eddie Lee tells us exactly where to go, and he gives us these absolutely wonderful directions after uh, we, we ask where we're going, and so so we set off, and we, we we're following these directions that Eddie Lee gave us, and we are we are running down uh, the road, and all of a sudden, things are making sense. Okay, he said this would be here, and it's here, and, and we're going, and, and everything is working out just fine, and oh, look, there's a, Uncle Buck's big oak tree, you know, <laughs> everything is actually starting to pan out, and what you what you thought, and you get to the street, and tell me tell me if you if this is just me, or if you've been here yourself. You get to a street, and you know the house is on the street, but there's a hundred mailboxes on this street, and you it's and it's always dusk. I don't know why that is, but when you're going to people's houses and you're looking for a mailbox number, it is always dusk. So it's not quite where you can't see it all, but it's just bad enough to where it's really frustrating, right? <laughs> Are you there? And so uh, we go down this street and you're looking for this mailbox number and you got your brights on, even though it doesn't help you at dusk time. And and then you're leaning your head out the window. You're doing your best that you can to, to see the mailbox uh, number and, and you're, slow, you're driving it like three miles per hour so that you can actually get a glimpse of this thing and then somebody comes behind you flying and you're like oh and you speed up and all that kind of stuff and and so you miss it and so for a long time you are seeking out this house and eventually after a long time of seeking out you actually find the mailbox you find the right mailbox and so you turn into this driveway and it just, of course, is a half-mile-long gravel driveway. And on this half-mile-long gravel driveway, there are seven trailers and two homes. And you're like, I don't know which one's which. I don't know where the person I'm looking for actually lives. I'm just going to go to the one that doesn't look like it might have killer dogs who will attack me. And so this is, this is kind of what you do. You get out, you hold your breath, you knock on the door, and hope that you are at the right place. Have you been there before? <laughs> Yeah, we've been there before, right? And uh, and the reality is, I was there a lot this past spring when we were going to that, uh, when we were going and visiting our, yeah, y'all are thinking the same thing. We were visiting the, our preschool homes, man. I was there twice a day. I mean, <laughs> it, it was tough. Uh, but but here here's basically the idea. I'd get lost, I'd ask for directions, I'd seek out a house, and then I'd knock on the door. And this is the same pattern that Jesus lays out for us tonight. Ask Seek, knock. And what I want you to see, and the reason I shared that whole story is because I want you to see that this is a progression. And we are starting with asking, we are moving to seeking, and then we are ending at knocking. This is a progression of depth into the will of God. And so that's that's what I want us to look at. So let's read our text. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So we start with the first part of this progression, and it is ask, All right. So ask, and and when we talk about asking, generally what we're talking about is prayer, Now, up to this point in the Sermon on the Mount, we have talked a lot about prayer. Jesus has talked a lot about prayer. We have the Lord's Prayer in the Sermon on uh, the Mount. Uh, But Jesus comes back to it. Jesus decides to reintroduce the topic here. and, And it seems to me that the reason he does this is because he is encouraging faith. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Okay, so it's Jesus is encouraging faith That is, you can trust God to answer your prayers, right? But here's the thing. It is not because of your asking. Remember, just a chapter over uh, in chapter six, verse eight. Jesus tells us your father knows what you need before you ask him. It is not our asking. That is the primary motivation of God. All right. Uh, So 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 there's this this issue here that I think might be an issue for some of us, may not be, but we're going to tackle it anyways. There's a subtle nuance in our prayer life we need to be made aware of uh, uh, so we don't fall into it, and that is sometimes we place our faith in our faith. Sometimes we place our faith, when we're praying, we place our faith in our faith. We trust in our asking more than we trust in God. And this is basically how it goes. We know God demands faith in our prayers, right? We know that this is what Scripture teaches us, that when we pray, we ought to pray with faith. And so we know God demands faith in our prayers, so we start to believe our faith is the source behind our answered prayer. And, 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 and I've seen this before, and you'll hear it in something like this. I know God will answer my prayer because I prayed in faith. I know God will answer my prayer because I prayed in faith. Well, what you're essentially saying is, I know God will answer my prayer because of what I put forward. Because of what I included in this prayer, I know that God will answer my prayer. But listen, we can have the greatest faith in the world, but if God is not in it, it ain't getting answered. <laughs> Listen, it's kind of like, you know, the, the saying a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. Well, a prayer is only as strong as that which we place our faith in to answer. That's the only the only way that we get our strength in our prayers. So this passage, what this passage does for us, it shows us that it's not our prayers and it's not our asking uh, that that in and of itself that moves God. But it is God himself. What moves God, what is God's primary motivation for doing things and giving things and loving and all that kind of stuff is not our prayers, it's not our asking, it is himself. And so what we see here in this passage is that of the three commands that Jesus gives in this passage, ask, seek, and knock, of the three commands, only one of them does he elaborate on. Only one of them does he give any kind of commentary on, and that is that of asking. That's what we get in verses 9 through 11. I'll reread it. It says, Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give, give good gifts to those who ask him? So what we have here is, is Jesus is comparing... Uh, our prayers to a child asking his father for a gift but what you'll see is real interesting here is that what god calls a gift in verse 11 is what we would call a need see what the first child asked for the first son he says if you would give me some bread Who, if your son asks for bread, is going to give him a stone? See, we would call this bread a need. It's food. And then the second son comes. Who, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? What we call this fish is food. This is bread and fish. This is food. This is our need. But God looks at this, and he says, if you, uh, even though you are evil, give good gifts. So what we have here is what we would typically call a need. God here is implying is a gift. And so what we have here is an implication that the prayers that are being prayed here, this asking type of prayer, are not prayers of need. Jesus already tackled this. Jesus already tackled this in chapter 6. He says, don't worry about it. We got it. We got it, right? He says, "If I clothe the lilies of the field, and and I feed the birds of the air. How much more am I going to do this for you? Right? He says, I'm going to take care of your needs. So this, is, this isn't necessarily a prayer about needs. Instead, it seems to be a prayer about want. It seems to be a prayer about excess. Now, uh, let me. when we say it that way, it sounds really unbiblical, doesn't it? <laughs> when we talk about a prayer of want or a prayer of excess, it seems to be really unbiblical. But what we're really asking for is a prayer for an extra blessing. We're, we're, we're praying that God would give us a special extra blessing. And we, you know, all a couple of years ago, we had the prayer of Jabez, that big book, and, and everybody was, was really excited about it for, for a time there. And the idea was that it was God bless me. That was the idea behind the prayer is God, would you pour out your blessing on me? And that's the same thing that's going on here. Is God, we're asking God for a, a blessing. So this is, this is a kind of prayer that when things are tight financially, that uh, maybe you're not going under, okay, but things are tight, that, that you ask for a little extra help. This is the kind of prayer where, uh, and this one's obviously fresh on my mind, but maybe a, a new mom, and and you have the infants, and so you have some other kids too, and your prayer is that the other kids will sleep through the night. <laughs> you accept the fact that the infants won't, but you just pray that Carson and Caroline will, right? <laughs> and so and so that, that this kind of prayer, it's a prayer that, that God will reveal himself, that God will show himself to you when you're in that time of stress, and you're in that time of, of need. I'll tell you a story just... From about a month or two ago, uh, I was I was real stressed out. I was in a real time of of need, and I prayed. I got up in the morning, and I was just I was just pouring myself out before God, and I said, Lord, please just reveal yourself to me today, in whatever way possible. Please just reveal yourself to me today. I went into the office, and our secretary told me what her dream was from last night. Has never happened before in my life. She told me her dream, and I interpreted it. That was weird, okay? <laughs> this was not a normal thing for me to, for, for, to happen to me. But as soon as she said it, the Lord laid the meaning of it on my heart. And re- through that dream, I knew immediately what God's word was for me. Listen, when, this, is, this is that kind of prayer. This is a prayer that, man, I've been real busy. I'm really backed up. If I could just have a weekend to spend with my family. If we could, God, if you could somehow clear my schedule for one weekend so I can spend some time with my family. This is these kind of prayers. It's not prayers of selfishness. God does not answer prayers of selfishness. James 4 3 says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. But these are prayers of extra blessing, these are prayers of relief. And who of us, who of us in here would, if our child came to us with this kind of request for a special blessing, would not give it to him? If it was within our means, if it was within our power. I mean, uh, (coughs) when Carson asked me for a toy, listen, it's not his asking that motivates me to give him anything. It's not his asking that pushes me to give him uh, anything. Because if that were the case, literally, he would have catalogs <laughs> worth of toys. He, he will come into, and I'll be, I'll be in my recliner, and he'll come sit in my lap with a magazine, a toy magazine. And we'll sit down together with a highlighter, and he'll mark every single toy inside the magazine and make me read every toy description in the magazine. And we'll spend an hour and a half going through this magazine. And at the end of it, he said, can I have it? You know, that that's that's how Carson rolls. So if it was his asking that was my motivation, then dude would have all kinds of toys. No, but his asking brings the subject up. But it is my love for him and my desire to bless him that pushes me to give to him. Right? And, and you know what I'm talking about as parents. Well, if that's true of me, and if that's true of you, and we are by nature sinful, How much more is that true of God, who is completely without sin? Listen, God's primary motivation is not our asking, because our asking is flawed. According to Scripture, Romans 8.26 says, We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit intercedes for us. We don't know what we ought to pray for. We don't know what's best for us. We don't know what to ask for. So it is not our asking that moves God. Rather, it is God's goodness and his love for us that moves Him. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Why? Because we have a good God. This helps. Think of it this way. God gave his son as our atonement or the atonement for our sins. Not because we asked for it. Not because we asked for God. It's because he loves us. All right? And so we have this first category, ask. All right, so we get to the second one and we have seek. Ask, seek. Seeking. So back to our road trip. After I ask for directions, I start seeking out the house. If I want to get to my destination, then asking is never enough. If we want to get somewhere in our faith, then asking is never enough. Direction is only important if you're actually going somewhere. So so what we have here is, is a progression, right? We have asking, but now we're going to seeking. But the problem is, for many in the church, asking has become it. Asking has become the only, the only step, the only part of the process. It's it's the idea that God is good enough and God is big enough to help me, but God is not important enough to be sought by me. And that and the reason is we only seek what we value. I talked to uh, someone recently, no one in this church, but I talked to someone recently uh, who told me. That in her Sunday school class, there is she, she has these, this circle of women who are her friends, and, and she said, all these women tell me that they never hear from God. That they never hear from God. That they want to hear from God, but that they never hear from God. And she said, it just blows me away, because I hear from God all the time. And I said, you know why? And she said, no. I said, the difference is, you're seeking God. You are seeking God, and that's the reason that you are hearing from God. You actively seek God. God. And so the question for us is, do we actively and regularly seek God? Do we actively and regularly seek God. I, kind of my go-to passage for this is Jeremiah 29 in verses 10 through 14. It says, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. But after that very famous passage, he says, Then, then, so preceding this, because of this, you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. So here's here's the idea. God says, I have these really great plans for you okay i have plans to prosper you not to harm you plans to give you a hope in a future i have these really great plans for you but there's a purpose behind these plans it's not just a random plan that i have for you there's a purpose behind my plan and the plan the purpose is that you will call upon me that you will come and that you will pray to me and when you do that then you will seek me and when you seek me you will find me see the What God's doing here is the same thing that Jesus is doing in our passage, that he is setting forth a uh, a program, a a procedure. He said, listen, I'm going to bless you, but this blessing is going to lead you to pray to me, and this uh, prayer is going to lead you to seek me. And so we have this same thing with Jesus. He says, ask for a blessing, and I'll give it to you, but this is going to motivate you to seek me out. This is a passage about pursuing God. This is a passage about God being the pursuit of our life. How do we pursue God? We meditate on God's Word. I can't emphasize how important that is. This is the very Word of God to us. You are, in essence, the prophet of God in the Old Testament. You get to hear the voice of God through the Holy Scriptures given to you. So, so we are to meditate on God's Word. We are to sing praises to our God. Psalm 150 is, is a great, great chapter of the Psalms. It's the concluding chapter of the Psalms. And it, the last verse in all the Psalms is, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. We are to come before our God and praise Him. We are to bow before our God in humility and pray to Him and give Him words of thanksgiving, blessing Him for how He has blessed us. And then, and then this is and, and those are kind of the three that we always go through. But listen, also a life of obedience obeying God is praising God obeying God is seeking God and then when we mess up confessing and repenting and returning to God is how we worship the Lord Okay, that's how we worship the Lord and that is how we pursue God that we don't let that sin that we stumble on become the thing that turns us away from God but rather we take that sin and say Jesus forgave me of that sin I'm going to turn from that sin I'm going to confess that sin and I'm going to return to God This is how we pursue God. And the promise of Scripture is this. When we do this, God will be found. Did you hear that? (laughs) That's good news. That is really good news. That when we seek God with all of our heart, God will be found. Now, I'll be honest with you. There have been seasons in my life where God was nowhere to be found. There have been seasons in my life where I just felt, (laughs) and God was nowhere to be found. And I am convinced that that is because God withholds himself intentionally for my growth, or for your growth, or for other people's growth. He withholds himself intentionally so that we may seek him more, and so that we would be drawn to him more. It is for our growth, but eventually and always, because it is a promise of God, seeking God leads to finding I heard a story about a pastor. Uh, he was sharing his testimony and this is basically how it went. He said he went to the office one morning and uh and he he sat down and he thought to himself, "You know what? I'm just going to spend this whole day with the Lord. That's that's what I'm going to do today." So he gets he gets to his office and he starts his day off by spending time with the Lord. And he gets into the word, and he gets into prayer, he gets into worship, and he's just going after the Lord, and he spends 8 hours. Eight consecutive hours spending time with the Lord. After eight hours of spending time with the Lord, he's worn out. And he's like, okay, I'm, I'm going home. And so he goes home, and his wife is coming home from work as well. And so she's, she pulls into uh, the driveway, and it's a long driveway. And he sees her, he sees her coming up the long driveway. And he, he looks out, and then all of a sudden, he feels the spirit of the Lord. He spent all day in the office seeking God and then all of a sudden he's at home and his his wife is driving up and he feels the spirit of the Lord. And it gets frustrated. (laughs) He's like, God, I spent all day with you. Why couldn't we have done this earlier? Now my wife's coming up and I'm not going to be able to spend any time with you at all. I'm going to be spending time with my wife. And he said that he felt like the Lord told him these words, I enjoyed being with you today. I enjoyed being with you today. Here's my point. When we seek God, he will be found. When we seek God, he will be found. Listen, sometimes we're not going to feel it. Sometimes we're not going to have that buzz. Sometimes we're not going to have the the presence all over us. But oftentimes we will. That's where we're going next. But, But when we seek God, he will be found. So we have asking, we have seeking, and then we get to our final part, and that is knocking. And so we're back on our road trip, we're back on our our lost road trip, and we've asked for directions, and we've gone mailbox to mailbox, seeking out a house, and so we finally find our place. What value would it be to go through all that trouble and then not knock on the door? (laughs) What what would we gain? What would be the value if we didn't go through? Listen, I don't go to someone's house to mark it on a map. I go to someone's house to visit. I go to someone's house to see them. And so we have this progression. We ask for God's blessing and he gives it. We respond to his blessing by seeking his face. But once we find him, that is, once he reveals himself to us, do it. we at this point turn around and go home? Of course not. Of course not. This last part is about experiencing God. Okay? So we have this kind of asking God. Then we have seeking God, which is pursuing God. And then we have knocking, which is experiencing God. Now, I think one of the things that we do and one of the things that many of our uh, Bibles that have cross-references do is it takes one word from the passage, and it'll take us to different places that have that same word. And and I think our minds kind of go this way, too. So when we hear the word knock, probably one of the first things, if you're... And I'm looking at our crowd. We're all pretty familiar with scriptures. one of the first things that's probably going to pop into your mind is the book of Revelation where Jesus knocks on the door of our heart. And so, so I don't want you to take that picture. That's not what's going on here. That passage is talking about the Christian who has, who has set Jesus outside of his heart, who has pushed Jesus to the outside and is treating him like a stranger. And Jesus desires and is patiently waiting for us to welcome him back into our lives. That's what this, that passage is about. What this passage is about, what this knocking is about, is more like the Mount of Transfiguration. And So I'm encouraging you, if you have your scripture, turn over with me to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17 is the story of the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. And here's here's what we have. The disciples uh, have have been seeking God. And then he takes the, the inner three of this group up to the mountain. And so let's read this passage together. Matthew 17, verses 1 through 8. Peter said to Jesus, "'Lord, if it, or it is good for us to be here. "'If you wish, I will put up three shelters, "'one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah.' "'While he was still speaking, "'a bright cloud enveloped them, "'and a voice uh, from the cloud said, "'This is my Son, whom I love. "'With Him I am well pleased. "'Listen to Him.' "'When the disciples heard this, "'they fell face down to the ground, terrified. "'But Jesus came and touched them. "'Get up,' he said. "'Don't be afraid.' When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus Christ. Listen, here's what I want to tell you. They experienced God. Okay? They experienced God on that mountain top. And when we have sought God with all of our hearts, then he will open the door and invite us into his presence. And that's what Jesus did right here. When we seek God with all of our heart, then he will open the door and invite us into his presence. And this happens in all different kinds of ways. This happens in all different kinds of ways. This can happen and, and by conviction of sin. This, uh, we, we think back to the Old Testament. We think about Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, and, and he sees the glory of God. And, and he says, woe to me, I'm a man of unclean lips. Remember, this, is a convic- this can happen through a conviction of sin. But if we look at this passage directly, what happened to the disciples, this can be hearing God's voice in a new way. This can be hearing God's voice like you have never heard God's voice before. This can be seeing Jesus like you have never seen Him before. One of the beautiful things about our faith is that as we grow closer and closer and closer to Jesus Christ, the more and more we realize the depth of our own depravity and His, and his glory and His righteousness. And so we, even though it's the same story that we've heard since we were children, it becomes more and more and more real to us, more and more in depth and and really heart piercing to us as we grow closer to him. And this can happen in different places as, as well. Sometimes we kind of confine God to our little, our little boxes, right? We kind of confine God and we say, okay, this is going to happen at church or this is going to happen at a spiritual retreat or something like that. But God is not, God is not contained by our, by our standards. God is not contained by the boxes that we put him in. Listen, the reason that we think that God is only found or it feels like God is only found in church services and it feels like God is only found in special retreats is because in church services and special retreats are the times that we set apart to spend time with God in a meaningful and powerful way. But if we're doing that on a consistent basis, if we're doing that at home, if we're doing that in the car as we drive to work, if we're doing that on a regular basis, God can meet us anywhere. It's important to notice something here on the mountain transfiguration, that these moments do not last. That these are just moments. Peter, he tries to build a tent, right? He says, I'm going to build three tents. We're going to stay here forever. This is going to be awesome. We're just going to live this up. But eventually, if you go down to verse 9, they had to come off the mountain. So here's here's the point. These special moments, these encounters with God are a foretaste of what is... Come forever in heaven. What a beautiful sight! We talk about heaven a lot, and we talk about uh, we talk about being in the presence of God. And sometimes that's so so difficult to comprehend. But but a good way to think about it is if you can think back at, at that time when God really revealed Himself to you, when you knew that you were in the presence of God. Think to yourself that never ends. That never ends. That moment isn't just a moment anymore. It's So what we have here is asking, seeking, and knocking. And we look at them, and these are all actions of pursuit. And as I considered the fact that all of these are actions of pursuit, it it drew my mind, again, word association here, to one of my favorite books, The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. And in this book, there are two quotes that I really think kind of summarize where we're going to find ourselves tonight as it pertains to this. This is the first quote. It says, The world is perishing for lack of knowledge of God, And listen to this second part. And the church is famishing for want of his presence. I believe some of us are spiritually famished because we have stopped pursuing God. We ask, but we do not seek. And it has been years since we knocked and the door has been opened to us. So let us repent and set our life before the Lord again. And offer our lives as living sacrifices, seeking God while he may be found. The other quote is, To have found God and still to pursue Him is the soul's paradox of love. That's part of the beauty of God and what we just kind of discussed is, we love Him so much that we continue to pursue Him even though we already have Him. That's kind of a cool thing. We already have God, but we still continue to pursue Him because we love Him so much. And as we pursue Him, again, what we just said, we realize that He can show more and more and more of His infinite self to our very uh, finite selves. So the question, I guess, tonight is what camp do you fall in? What camp do you fall in, and what camp do you want to be in? Are you part of this first quote? Are you part of this famishing church of God who has not seen the presence of God in your life? Or are you part of this paradox of love, that even though you have to continue to seek Him and He keeps on refreshing you with His presence? What camp do you fall in? What camp do you want to be in? And here's the reality. By God's grace, all of God's children can be in that second camp. All of God's children can have a renewed and right relationship with Jesus Christ. All can have hearts ready to experience God, ready to have that moment at any time. And so I encourage you, let us seek God. Let us seek God with our hearts. Let us seek God in our homes. Let us seek God at our church. And may we never be satisfied with anything less presence of god Let's pray. god we love you and we do seek you father but lord help that to be a constant reality god let that not be something that is fleeting let that not be something that is for special trips and special moments and uh, and and big events god but let that be something that is that is a, a daily walk in our life that you are to be sought not just because we have to, not just because the Scripture tells us to, but because we love You. God, may we seek You. May we seek You. Father, may we desire You. May we be captivated by You. Let us not be content with asking. Let us not stop in our relationship with You as a simple prayer or a simple Bible study. God, these are important things. But it's not the fullness. God, let us move on to to more than asking. Let us move on to seeking. Let us move on to a place where we we regularly and expectantly seek your face. God, let us claim your, your truth. Let us claim your promise that those who seek you with all their heart will find you. God, may we find you. May we experience you. May you reveal yourself to us. God, let us have that mountaintop experience. Let us have that joy. Let us have that moment where we are in your presence. Father, And may that be the drive, God. Being in your presence. Knowing that what we experience here, we can have forever with you in heaven. So God, I pray by your grace you would help us to, to strive for this but Lord that but it would be come from an inner urging of your Holy Spirit it would come from a true desire to know you, a true desire based in love so God where everybody is tonight you know so Father I pray that you take them where they are meet them as Jesus came and met us where we are Father draw them to yourself Lord we love you, we ask this in this in the name of your son Jesus amen the lord's dealing with you